0: What up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Today, I was able to catch up with Kevin Lytle, of the Fort Collins Coloradoan. Always good to catch up with him. We just kind of compared our season predictions. We answered some questions from Twitter and just generally set the scene for this upcoming season and the opener against Michigan. Really appreciate Kev for hopping on with me. Uh, Earlier today, I, I was also on the Ram Nation radio podcast with Joel and Mike. That was a blast, so check that out whenever it publishes. I'll be on ESPN Denver on Friday, as well as v live. So all, all kinds of stuff happening, talking football all over the place. Before we get to the interview with Kevin, the wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL week one with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet $5 on any football game. Get $200 in free bets instantly. If you want more action for opening night, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. Get up 7, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by 7 points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. What are y'all waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use the promo code DNVR, get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, joining me on the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, we've got my good friend, Kevin Lytle of the Fort Collins, Colorado in. Kevin, thank you for coming on, giving me a little bit of your time, excited to talk a little CSU football with you. You know, we've, outside of uh, CSU sources, Mike Brohard, things like that, you know, we've probably been around the team the the most, you know, as far as outside sources go what is your kind of vibe, I guess, going into non-conference play? I mean, obviously this, the schedule is really challenging, but you know, do you feel like 500 is, is realistic? I mean, I know that's what you have in your predictions, but we've seen CSU lose so many of these September games over the last couple of years.
1: September and October and November. Um, (laughs) no, I mean, it, it feels good. I mean, the vibes are good. Um, I'd say, you know, just being around the team, they seem pretty loose, pretty um, eager, I would say. In a lot of ways, yeah. I think, you know, the guys that, the holdovers, you know, the Daquan Jacksons, that type, they're really sick of losing, and I think they feel pretty good of where this team is at and what they can do. Um, you know, I obviously, they're all saying the things you would expect, you know, in front of the Michigan game. They, I think they all also understand what the task is. Um, but... Overall, I think it's a, a pretty optimistic vibe. You know, I, you know, the caveat, of course, is most teams are optimistic this time of year, but this feels different than it has in the past couple of maybe more legitimate optimism than sort of I don't want to say forced because I, you know, I don't think players were being disingenuous last year when they were saying they could be good, but um, I think this is maybe a little truer than than that was.
0: I like how you phrase that because I mean. There was there was enough talent football wise football player wise on that team last year to probably be like a five hundred team you know squeak yeah. into a bowl game but yeah I think the the optimism feels real the the caveat is obviously this week one matchup against Michigan I think I think most people even inside the program look at it you know fairly realistically obviously it'd be exciting to you know CCSU pull an App State and you know shock the world but counting on that is is probably a a recipe for disappointment. In your prediction, you have CSU covering the uh, 30 and a half point spread, 4117 Michigan victory. That'd be a respectable showing, I think, if you're able to go against this team and, and cover the spread. What is the recipe for that in, in your opinion? How how can CSU keep this, you know, respectable?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing. Just the first quarter, don't get landslided in the first quarter, because I think that's the biggest question mark. And everyone has basically admitted it. You don't know how Clay Millen's going to react. You don't know how all these new young players, you know, you have a a new look line. You know, a lot of them, you know, have played a lot of games, but they're playing together Um, in all those ways. You don't know how everyone's going to react to 110,000 ABC top 10, you know, playoff team, all that, all those type of things. So just don't get landslide in the first quarter. You know, if you go out in your first possession, have a, have a pick or a fumble and Michigan turns that into six really quickly, and then you go three and out, Michigan turns that into six really quickly. That's when it can get ugly and the spread can uh, be blown up. So I think, you know, keep it within reason early, you know, basically find your footing if you will. And then, you know, you're, we're going to need to see you know a few big plays from the air raid. Right? I think we will. That's why I think, you know, they're not going to go up up 38. I feel pretty comfortable about that. But if you see some of those flashes, uh, you know, a big play here and there, I think that'll be really encouraging for people. And that's how you get a couple touchdowns on the board. And then defensively, you know, they'll struggle, you know, at times, maybe a lot of times, but if you can get a takeaway or two, you know, that'd be a really encouraging sign as well. So I think all those would be, you know, both encouraging signs for the future, but also how you keep, you know, uh, the, the score under the spread.
0: I'm completely with you. I don't I don't foresee a scenario in which CSU backdoor covers this game. Like you go down 50 and then you have the fourth quarter rally. Like I just I don't really see that. It could happen, but I think the the more realistic outcome if CSU is able to, you know, keep this one, you know, kind of like the 2013 Bama or 2017 Bama game would be, you know, hang around, maybe you're down by like 15 or something at halftime, Michigan pulls away a little bit in the third and fourth quarter, but Ultimately, like you said, you know, you're able to flash some moments on offense. You know, if you could get an interception, something like that on defense, a couple sacks, just yeah. reason to believe, you know, that against a, a different team, things will be better. We don't have to go like game through game through all your predictions, but you have CSU going two and two in the non-conference slate, which I think is the bare minimum of, of what needs to happen if they want to, you know, reach a bowl just because this conference slate is deceptively hard. You have CSU winning the the Nevada game uh, by two scores. So you feel pretty confident going into that Reno game? Obviously, a lot could change in five yeah, weeks yeah, going the,
1: into the year. To me, it's a funky one. I think CSU's roster is going to be a good bit better than Nevada's. You know, Nevada obviously lost a lot of players. Um, they've already had a few key injuries. You know, a couple starters have gone down. Um, I think their rebuild is different than CSU's in large part because of CSU, you know, taking a lot of those players. Um, so roster wise, that's, I mean, that the score I put there is kind of how I feel roster wise, the intangible that we're just not going to know is how everyone's going to react, how the, the, you know, players who are at Nevada will handle that. And how, you know, Norvell and especially the Nevada transfers will handle it, you know, just the emotions of it. So that's where it's kind of uncertain. I mean, I think it's safe to say Nevada will be very riled up for that one. But I think CSU will be as well. So that, that one's definitely, you know, uh, a tricky one. I know uh, Chris Murray in, in Reno picked the opposite. He basically said Nevada will win it. Um, I can understand, you know, sort of both sides. I, I just think. At the end of the day, I always just lean toward talent, and and I think CSU has the better talent.
0: I think the emotion that Nevada is going to feel in this one can almost be counterproductive. Like, obviously, you can have you have to channel it
1: properly. Yeah, Yeah.
0: you know, especially if you come out, you know, early and you exert yourself, and you know, you're all intense. Then all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, you know, I think or third and fourth quarter, I think that's when that that talent gap is. Is ultimately going to come in play, so I agree with you. I, I think CSU wins this one in, in Nevada, especially after seeing uh, the way Nevada kind of struggled to stop the run against uh, New Mexico State. The game I'm really interested in this year is Week Nine at Boise State. We have talked uh, off the record about the the preseason all conference selections and the, the projected order of finish. We both thought Air Force should have been tapped the preseason favorite. Boise's getting a ton of love. I basically every national projection I see has them in the title game, has them winning, you know, 10 games. I get they have the brand. I think CSU could keep this one close, potentially even beat Boise State for the first time. You have Boise winning 27-23, so it seems like we think that, you know, it's it's very similar. I don't know if it's fair to ever pick CSU until they actually beat Boise State like it seems like you're kind of just throwing darts at the board yep. but I really think that game is much more winnable than anybody on the outside would would recognize
1: yeah that's where I'm at I you know I think Boise State will be solid but yeah I, I don't think they're the mountain division favorite I voted for Air Force in the poll and yeah kind of like I said in my prediction I don't think it's a vintage great Boise State team but I cannot pick CSU, especially on the road. I just what is it? 11 now. They always seem to find a way, you know, there's the, obviously the uh, 2017 debacle, the, you know, the, the um, onside kicks. There's the uh, special teams debacles of co- the COVID year. Um, just something always seems to happen. So I, you know, it's coming. CSU will beat Boise State sometime I just uh, am not bold enough to make that projection yet this year. If it were at home, I'd maybe lean a little more toward it, but going to Boise, um, again, I, I it wouldn't blow my mind, just like you said, if, if it happens this year, but it's just one step too far for me, for me to take yet until I see a little bit more from both teams.
0: I will say, I mean, 2020 was obviously a, a weird situation with the way that game played out special teams. Uh, 2018 was also a blowout loss in Boise. That, in my opinion, probably the worst CSU team of the last 10 years. Most of the games, though, going back to around 2013 or so, have actually been pretty competitive. Like, CSU yeah. was up two scores over Boise in 2013. 2014, they lost a tight one on the road. At some point, they, you would think they're have to through yeah. and win this. <laughs> and I want to be the one that's bold enough to be like, it's, this is the year. But I feel like that's how you set yourself up for for old takes
1: exposed. Yeah, no, that that was my thought. It's like I can see it happening, but um, you know i I just need more proof. If uh, if CSU goes three and one, you know, beats Washington State and non conference play, and you know Boise because Boise has a tough schedule. If they struggle through that, then maybe I'll start leaning the other way. But right now, as the season starts, it's one of those kind of like I said. I can never pick New Mexico to beat CSU. Uh, I ov- obviously there's a bigger town at some point. But at yeah. some point it's gonna happen. It's gonna uh, CSU fans will not handle that well, but it's gonna happen sometime. I can't pick that this year. I mean, there's no reason to think that this is the time that will happen.
0: I think that's a I think that's a fair assessment. I'm I'm really curious to see. There's a realistic scenario this year in which Boise State starts four and assuming that they can beat Oregon State on the road in, in week one. That's you know deceptively tough matchup. I still, they could finish like seven and five. They got to play Fresno Air Force, and and San Diego State, all back to back to back. They still have a game against BYU, who's supposed to be really good. You know, if they lost all four of those, you know, you know, theoretically, maybe they lost to CSU this year. All of a sudden, you're looking at seven and five. So I'm just saying, keep an eye on Boise State, Mountain West fans. I I don't think they're going to be the team that they're being cracked out to be. You have CSU hanging against Air Force. I, I liked that one. What What is it about this uh the matchup this year that you think CSU can at least you know keep it much more respectable? Yeah, so I,
1: I was kind of torn on that one. And again, Air Force is one of those that is always hard to project because their style's always, so weird. the style and frankly their secrecy um makes it tough. I my thinking was. I do think it's a very good Air Force. And I think they're going to run it really well and a really good Air Force offense. Not many teams in the Mountain West have figured out how to stop. Um, I do think the air raid, especially by that point, part of my thinking is, you know, we're getting later in the season by the time that's happened. I think things will be clicking a little bit more for CSU. They'll just be a little bit more in sync offensively by then. So I think they'll be able to score some. Um, you just have. <laughs> the ball control nightmare as always against, against air force. So again, that's one that, you know, CSU is going to finally, you know, beat them sometime. Um, but I, I just think there's a good air force team. I think CSU will find a way to hang in. Cause the good thing is, you know, last couple, you know, Bobo, I think even Adazio talked up air force, but I think he got psyched out by them as well. Um, I don't think Norvell will be psyched out, but you know, he's been in the mountain West. I, I know obviously a different division, so he doesn't play air force every year, but he's seen them. Um, so I, I think he'll probably be a little bit more composed on how to handle an Air Force game rather than, uh, you know, Mike Bovo, for instance, you know, he was spending a week during training camp preparing for Air Force when they didn't play Air Force till you know, week nine or whatever it was, you know, that kind of speaks to how, <laughs> how out of whack Air Force puts teams.
0: I, I like that you brought that up because it, to an extent, it makes me think of this Michigan matchup and how CSU has kind of framed the narrative of, you know, we're focused on ourselves. You know, we're not going to get too hyped up about the atmosphere and all that. And I think some of that is just, you know, coach speak and them not wanting to give us, you know, the quote. But I think there is a large part of that with a team like Air Force, where you can just, you psych yourself out for the matchup. You, You focus on it so much. And when you focus on the weirdness, it's like it takes you out of your own game and then they don't know how to handle it. If it plays out this way, that'd be a really fun game. It'd be like uh, 2016, I think it was, when CSU lost a shootout in the academy. It was like 48-45. Michael Gallup years. That was a really fun game. The last thing I want to talk to you about, just as far as the uh, the predictions go, you have CSU in the New Mexico Bowl, which outside of, you know, like if they went to the LA Bowl or something as, you know, the Mountain West's best bowl representative or a, a New Year's Six Bowl, you know, in a pipe dream, that'd be amazing. I, I would say that the New Mexico Bowl is probably the most desirable outcome that CSU could have, just because all of these bowls, it's kind of semantics anyways, they all essentially mean the same thing if you're not in the playoff. I do think that the, the New Year's Six Bowls have a little bit more prestige still, you know, the Fiesta yeah. Bowl, the Rose Bowl, those type of games. But Albuquerque would be great because it would be an opportunity for the fans to go to an affordable location. You know, you could travel really well. And it could just be a fun celebration of the season. We've talked about how Albuquerque actually embraces it. I think that'd be awesome. Like I'd way rather yeah. go to the New Mexico Bowl than Boise in December or the Barstool, Arizona Bowl or any of that,
1: yeah. no, it, this this thought kind of stemmed for me. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was on a radio show in Albuquerque, and they just asked, "How do CSU fans view the New Mexico Bowl?" It's kind of an interesting question. I hadn't really thought about. It. I was thinking, well, it depends. You know, I think everyone really enjoyed. You know, the first two New Mexico bowls, obviously, they are great games. You know, fun. Uh, you know, oh eight and thirteen, just fun in a lot of ways. And I think um, proper endings to those team seasons for for fans, whereas the seventeen season. Most fans, and I think people like us thought CSU should have been better. You know, they should, probably should have played for a Mountain West title. And so basically, that late season backslide where you ended up, you know, 500 or 7'5 and then going to the New, New Mexico Bowl was a letdown. And it wasn't, you know, you offense to New Mexico Bowl. It was just higher ambitions that season. Um, so that's kind of what I was saying. And and so this season, I think fans would be really excited. It would, I think, uh, you know, 6-6, six 7-5, and, six, and getting to, you know, a bowl like that would be, you know, a sign of, you know, the, a big step forward and, you know, upward trajectory. I think fans would be really excited. And like you said, easy to get to. It's it's a cool place. I mean, good eating. Uh, you know, Albuquerque, like you said, embraces it. And, you know, they do a nice job. It's a nice – it's kind of, you know, not to be like the grumpy old man, but sort of – maybe a pure version of bowls, you know, kind of what they used to be of, you know, just kind of a a random town really embraces bringing two teams in, show them a good time, hopefully have a fun game and, and, you know, go home for Christmas. Um, So I think this year fans would really, you know, I think the vast majority of fans would be very happy to have CSU in the New Mexico bowl. I think it's a very achievable goal. And, you know, who knows if they go six and six, seven, five, obviously the shuffling, you know, they could end up in the New Mexico Bowl, the Boise Bowl, the, the Arizona Bowl. You know, there are a lot of different choices They, you know, going, you know, going record, to a bowl. They yeah, would be excited. Yeah. The New Mexico know, Bowl is best case. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that'd be a good one for for fans and everyone. So we'll see. But, um, you know, I think that's sort of the line I've drawn of like, that's a pretty darn successful season. If if everyone's uh, hitting the road to to go down to Albuquerque in mid-December.
0: I think it's just about realistic expectations and, and setting you know, an achievable bar. Obviously, you know, if it was year three, you know, like you said, it's year three. You've got a bunch of returning starters. You're probably going to have higher hopes than, you know, the New Mexico Bowl. And hopefully, exactly. you know, down the line. CSU and that was the was problem there, with know, 2017.
1: You yeah, know, like yeah. that, that Bobo team should have been better. And same, if in 2025, Jay Norvell is leading CSU to six and six and New Mexico Bowl, that's not going to be awesome.
0: It's a good point. I, I'm really... I like being in this position. I think that the, the buildup is fun. I, I was thinking about this with the basketball season. Like as, as much as I enjoyed the the basketball season last year, and it was awesome to cover that team, you can see with the fans, like when you have the expectation of we need to be this, it just puts so much pressure on every single game. Every loss is the end of the world. You know, every... I don't know, you get a little bit overreactionary. You're not able to appreciate the wins as much just because it's like, well, yeah, that's what we were supposed to do. Yeah. Granted, the last couple of years have been really miserable for fans, not been much more fun for us as media to cover. I think it'll be a chance where it's like, you know, like 2013, like 2008, where it's like, yeah, some games they might lose by 20 because they look inexperienced and there's a talent gap. And then another game, they're going to throw 50 on the board and it's going to be a lot of fun like that weird BYU game where uh, Joey Porter, mm-hmm. chess bumped Gartrell Johnson, like it's, it's just going to be a weird year, but I think that they're on the right track. Um. All right, will get right back to that interview with Kevin, but I want to talk about game time, the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets for sports concerts and shows ever dreamed of sitting in a seat. You never thought you could 50 yard line courtside, maybe behind home plate floor seats at a concert. It's possible with the Game Time app, the biggest last minute price drops can be found on the seats you'd never thought you'd be able to buy. You will not find a better deal this season on tickets for Rams games, Broncos, whatever, other than Game Time. This was created by fans, for fans, and they guarantee the lowest price. If you love DNVR, you'll love Game Time. The best way to support us is by supporting our partners buy your tickets through the link in the description. We share it online all the time. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the GameTime app. Score the best seats to all your favorite events. I also got to talk about the new GOAT in Colorado sports that is the greatest of all TV. Ivaka TV delivers amped up sports coverage for Colorado fans featuring Altitude Sports, AT&T Sportsnet, and the NFL Network. Get the most regional content for the lowest price for sports in Colorado. All in crystal clear HD while using less bandwidth and enjoy over 60 entertainment channels including news, movies, and more. Turn your home into the ultimate game viewing zone. You can even stream your teams from your phone, laptop, or tablet when you're on the go. You can also add a discounted Sling TV bundle to get ESPN and more. Ivaca is only $25 a month plus a $5 receiver fee. Right now, Colorado sports fans get $10 off per month for your first three months. To score this deal, go to ivaca.tv slash Colorado 10. That's evoc atv slash Colorado 10. No contracts, no catches. Ivaca TV is made for the champions of the remote. All right, real quick, I got to give you my DraftKings pick of the week. We've got really intriguing week one games tonight, Thursday. Obviously, the uh, the backyard brawl coming back—that's really fun. I'm actually going to stick in the Mountain West, San Jose State hosting Portland State. Portland State only got to play two games uh, in 2020. Really weird scenario. I like the over. The over/under set at 50 points. I'm rolling with the over. Get that at minus 110. I I'm tempted to take San Jose State to cover 22 and a half, just being at home, but. You know, if they cover that, it, it should go over anyways. The strength of Portland State is definitely in their receiving core. I think they could put a touchdown or two on the board. Either way, I like the over. I do think the San Jose State offense is going to be better with Kevin Cordero coming over from Hawaii. Added a couple of Nevada receivers as well. But again, rocking with the over in the San Jose State-Portland game. DraftKings pick of the week. Lock it in. Minus 110. All right, back to that interview with Kevin Lytle of the Fort Collins-Coloradoan. Who is your team MVP? We had this posed to us on Twitter. Who do you think is your team MVP?
1: Yeah, I've been brainstorming that one. Um, it's tough. I hate to just be this guy, but if they're in a bowl game, it's Clay Millen. I, I, again, I know it's just so obvious, so cliche, but if they make a bullet, like it has to be Clay Millen, I think um yeah I thought about some of the receivers but with the air raid you spread it around so much you're not going to have you know a Gallup number um you know you could talk me into a defensive player because I know we have a depoy question coming so we'll, we'll get there but so maybe a defender you know like a you know if a Mo Kamara has you know a 12 sack year or something like that um could be in the mix so I know I'm just going party line but if they're in a bowl I I feel like the odds would have to be on it being Clay Mellon.
0: I don't see any way in which they reach a bowl unless, you know, Clay is one of their best players. So I, yeah. I think that's the, the fair answer. If I took Clay off the board, who would be your choice?
1: All right. Clay off the board. Um, Mo would be on my short list. Cause I think again, if they're up, uh, uh, Let's just assume we're talking that they're going to be good because we're, we're not naming it yeah. MVP if they go three and nine. Um, but let's say they make a bowl. I think Mo probably has to have a good season. Um, and then I'm going to say Angel King would be in that mix. I think he needs to be good because he's going to, you know, starting safety, also kind of a cornerback. I think he's going to need to take the ball away sometimes. Um, so again, if there's seven and five or something, I'm guessing he'll probably have done that. And then I think D. could be in that mix as well. He's seems like he's healthy. Um, he again has proven himself to a new staff, which it seems like he has to do every year, every single uh, time. Yeah. But man, he just always does. You can't bet against that kid.
0: It's that's hilarious. We are right. We are right in line here. I had a. I mean, I put Clay, and then I put in quotation marks. If I'm not going Clay, then I'm going to Quan Jackson. And yeah. my defensive player of the year is Mo Kamara because, again, there I think go. he's got to get after the quarterback. And I I factored in King. I do think he's going to be the kind of the last line of defense, you know, for this team. So you need quality safety play. But yeah, I do think defense is is kind of the sneaky answer here just because, I mean, it could be a scenario in which even if you are scoring 30 points a game, like if you're giving up 40, you know, you need them to be competent. But I, I think yeah. we're right in line there. Um, so, who is uh, Mo your defensive player of the year? Then,
1: yeah, probably, um, probably him or DJs.
0: Safe answers. They're going to put up great stats. Um, could probably throw CJ Onyeki out there as well. You know, the other he, edge.
1: He's my like X-factor player. If we want to sort of make up a category of, he sure looks the part. You know, he's. You know, I think we've both seen really good things at times in in both spring and camp. You look at Rutgers numbers and there's not much production. You know, I'm not gonna lie and say I was watching Rutgers, so I don't know exactly how they they used him. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, if he can throw out five or six sacks, I think that can can change the scope of the defense a little bit because you need, you know, it can't just be Mo. Um, you know, Devin Phillips I think will get some, but you need, you know, they, they don't want blitz a ton. You need that D-line to be good. So if CJ on can. Um, produce a lot of you know uh, tackle for loss and sack type numbers I think that could really help the defense that's sort of an, an x-factor type player for me
0: on the who would you be your offensive x-factor because I think I'm probably gonna go Tanner Arkin
1: yeah Arkin's one I was thinking and I'm I mean maybe he's it's he's too important to be considered that by Ajaan um just because I think he can I think this sort of one cut system fits him well. He runs downhill and then obviously he'll probably catch the ball some. So maybe that's too obvious a choice, but Ajon is a guy that I think can be be good in this offense.
0: Shout out to Zach Lanningham of CSU football, actually, for that question. We got one more f- uh, from him here. Yeah. Any bold predictions for the entire Mountain
1: West? Well, we've kind of talked about, we both think Boise state is not winning the Mountain, So for both of us, I think we'll say that one. Yeah. Um, Who do you have so in the title game? I have Air Force and Fresno. Me too. Um, Sa- I'm paper. San Diego State, I just need to see their op- – like every single year of San Diego State football, I need to see their offense. I know – there's some optimism around their new quarterback, but it seems like every year they have some new guy that they say will open up the offense that never happens. They're still really good because their defense is great and they run the ball well. So I think San Diego State could and Fresno. I know, you know, it's familiarity as far as a new coach, but still you have some stuff. I just like Hayner. I think, you know, that's, that's a quarterback, man. He can, he can play. So I've got those two. I could see San Diego state, but I've got those two. And I would, if we have to pick the game, um, that I, that'd be a really fun championship game. Actually, I I think Air Force can go win Mountain West title. Shoot, I'll just put that out there. That's there, There's them, my bold right? prediction. Yeah,
0: Air Force beating Fresno. That is that is where Kevin and I are at, as far as Mountain West predictions. Got any sleeper teams? Anybody that's you know maybe going to be better than? Ex- I think Nevada is going to be a better team than expected.
1: I, not good see, but yeah, better than right, expected right yeah i'm still fairly down them uh san jose um i'm i'm not again i'm not sure it's a huge sleeper but they had the great 2020 hard back to earth last year but That's i good. think they're pretty good they have some really good defensive linemen um i really like again uh, cordero from hawaii i think he's a really good quarterback uh, CSU saw some of that um they got cooks from nevada i think they have some pieces to maybe be a sneaky um, you know, wrecking ball in the West that can throw that the that division, the West division race into a loop as well. because um, and those are three pretty good teams, I think, at the top.
0: Yeah, and they're I, I can't remember exactly how it plays out, but their schedule is a little bit more favorable than like we mentioned Boise has to play on right. those teams in consecutive. Fresno actually got a pretty tough conference draw, so did San Diego State. So you know, San Jose at they're an interesting one for me because I, I could see a scenario in which they go like nine and three and somehow sneak into the, you know, Mountain West Championship. I could also see them being just like kind of okay. And like even CSU going into San Jose yeah. and beating them. Like yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of a weird. I game. think that was
1: my, that and maybe Utah State were my two hardest ones in my predictions column of, I, you know, Utah State, I think they caught lightning in a ball last year. I think they're solid. I think they have some good pieces, but I don't think they're they're great. I think that was, not to diminish what they did because it was great, but in some ways just everything went right and that won't happen again. And then yeah, San Jose, I I do kind of believe in them and maybe it's just like name too. It's just hard to convince yourself that San Jose State is quite good. Um, so those were my two hardest ones. So yeah, I'm, I'm very unsure on both San Jose State and Utah State, but I, I think I'm much more bullish on San Jose than I am Utah State.
0: I'll say this, Brent Brennan, I got to at this past media days, I got to hang out with him a little bit longer just because nobody was talking to him.
1: So I was like, all right. I guess yeah. Go. No one covers San Jose state. It's sad really. It really is.
0: But he's super cool, man. I don't know if yeah. it's going to like correlate to actually being a successful football program, but I was like, I I could see, you know, him being a successful recruiter. People yeah, wanting um, to play for this guy.
1: Yeah. I like him and him and Tim miles seem to have forged a pretty good bond since Tim got hired there, which um, from the little bit I know about Brennan and the lot I know about Tim, that, that seems to make sense. It seems like they're in some ways kindred spirits. Tim probably swears more.
0: <laughs> Tim swears more than uh, than most individuals. Than most. <laughs> um, we've got this one here from Rangeley at Rangeley Panther. Obviously that's not his real name, but let's you hear your thoughts that. on the final death chart. Good point. I shouldn't assume, especially in 2022. Um, Couple surprises for him. He thought Cameron Carter had worked his way back into the starting lineup and uh, no Makai Fox on the two deep. Um, What are your thoughts on that? I guess.
1: Yep. Those are two probably questions we both got. Cameron, I think, did work his way back to. He's going to play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what Frey Banks said. You know, he's going to play a lot. Um, Cool. It's almost. I'd say it's almost as much about Kulik as it is about Cameron. I think Cameron did all the things he needed to do and he's going to be on the field a lot. Kulik just wouldn't release that spot. He, he's he been relentless. It It's turning into a pretty cool story. I, I kind of really hope uh, Drew Kulik has a really good season because it's turning into a pretty fascinating one. So I think it's as much about Drew as it is about Cameron. I think um, from everything we've heard, I think both publicly and privately, is Cameron's back in the good graces and did a good job, um, and we'll see him on the field. So maybe a slight surprise of, you know, there was a part of me that thought just the veterans would end up with it, but but not huge. And then Makai Fox, yeah, that's one uh, a question I had not shocked. I mean, one of those three freshmen wasn't going to be on the two deep. Um, I know Makai probably has the biggest name to fans right now just because of his recruiting profile and, and flipping from uh, UCLA. But talking to uh, Chad Savage you know, a week ago or so, the receivers coach, sound like just consistency is the biggest thing. And not just for Makai, for all the freshmen, well, and all the receivers overall, but especially freshmen. Um, but I think we're going to see Makai. And again, at the two deep at receiver, I mean, they're going to use seven or eight receivers a game. And it's gonna be fluid too, you know. Some games, especially depending on matchups, you may get some different ones. So, I was slightly surprised, but it's not like it knocked me on the floor in shock.
0: Yeah, I I think you nailed it. I mean, it's kind of semantics at receiver, um, which I mean, we can kind of transition this into another question we got, which was from at TB twelve underscore one ninety nine. How the hell is Jack Howell not starting, Kevin?
1: Um, uh, that, that the, was the fun of, of Monday, wasn't it? Um, yeah. again semantics, I, you know, I know it frustrates some people. Jack is going to be on the field a lot. If Jack does what he did last, you know, you know, think the Iowa game last year, he'll be on the field a lot. Um, you know, one of those safeties between King Blackburn and Hal has to technically, you know, be a backup. Um, so it, you know, it was Jack Howell, but he'll be on the field plenty. Again, I think Much ado about not much.
0: I I think the thing that people aren't factoring in is how much more this staff is going to rotate on both sides of the football. I went on Ram Nation this morning. That's just kind of what I kept talking about. Like Everybody's freaking out. All the plays count the same. Whether it's play one or play three, it's the same deal with basketball. Everybody gets so wrapped up in who's in your starting five. And I get it. There's like a prestige that comes with that. You know what's better than you know sometimes shoehorning everybody onto the field at the same time? Having depth and being able to have multiple playmakers and rotate and having a six man that comes off the bench and you know your team doesn't slow down. We get way too caught up in who is on the field, play number one.
1: So um I think as Mike Brohard asked Freddie Banks, you know, basically, what's your philosophy on rotation? You know, how many plays a game do you want? He's you know, basically. The last staff, you know, the top guys were playing, you know, 75 plays a game. Freddie kind of gave this look of like, yeah, you can't play top level that many plays. So, no, like we're going to rotate through. And it also goes back to what Jay Norvell has repeated over and over and talked about a lot Monday. CSU has finished seasons terribly. They're really bad in the last month and a half. Well, what's one way to be better is not have all your guys be completely dead and wasted by five games into the season because they're playing 80 snaps a game so yeah the rotation point is fantastic we're going to see on d line we're going to see eight to ten guys we're going to see seven to nine receivers we're going to see all those dbs i mean aiden hector is going to roll in deandre Greeley at corner we're going to see a lot of guys uh you know linebackers the one they're probably thin but they only use two they'll roll through four you're going to see a ton of guys playing because you have to have a ton of guys playing to have a 13 game season, which is what they hope. Actually, I guess they probably hope for 14, but that's not realistic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, it's yeah, exactly. You you, you nailed exactly what I've been trying to say. I tried to concisely say that at 8am this morning on the Ram nation podcast. It did not come out as pretty as, as, or as articulate as Kevin Lytle just put it. But Yeah, I think all of these factors combined, you know, I I just think we're going to see a deeper team and a team that by, you know, October, November is hopefully, you know, assuming that you don't get screwed by injuries, you know, playing competitive football. And I I think that's got to be the hope, right? Just you're not going to be perfect in September, but once these games that really matter come around, I think we're going to see a CSU that's much more competent and not getting, you know, embarrassed by Wyoming and Hawaii the way that they did last year.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: All right, final thoughts on the team. Um, is there anybody you think that could, like, really shock this year just as far as, like, we, I haven't brought him up yet, anybody like that, or have we covered
1: our bases? Yeah, I think we mostly covered it, and we haven't talked about him specifically today, but people have seen his name. I'm really excited for Melquan Stovall. Um, you know, he's maybe slightly under the radar just because everyone's so excited about Tory Horton, um, understandably so. But Stovall, I'm really excited to see him again. It's not going to be shocking when he's good. Um, but I am excited to see him in action. But overall, I just want to see this team. I mean, we've talked about it, I think both publicly and privately this week. Jay Norvell's talked about. It. It's like we just need games. We, you know, everyone <laughs> has done everything that can be done during camp. We need games. So I'm I'm just really excited to have um football back and and a team that CSU fans can be excited about because when fans are excited, it's, it's good for us.
0: Well, Kev, thank you so much for giving me some of your time.
2: She's out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I wanna be I got blood on my shirt, like I wear my heart on my sleeve She said I look good in red, but that went straight to my head So now she's my tees, tucked into new prodigies and we ain't spoken a month But I just saw her last week The lipstick stain still on my cheek like we ain't talk enough And we always seem to laugh but never nodded us So the future's looking grim, it's kinda ominous And this song ain't about love, that'd be too obvious See this is more about lust and all of my misconceptions And this is more about me and all of my self-deception I'll tell myself a lie 100 times, don't need corrections But every night I pray to God, I hope I learn my lesson And the peaches out from Palisade And they sweet as mama's marmalade And this should sound like summer days The windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies My daddy played the drums And my mama slapped that bass And my sister sang these songs Dancing hand in hand We were tripping two left feet Like a middle school slow dance No one knew how to lead But I'm so thankful for these days They put a smile on my face Flirt with me when you're bored That's what I'm here for Talk to me softly Till I get a little more attached to the fact That you reply so quickly Dash and retract only when you get sick of me, sit back reminiscing back to when I got them digits I swear I need a witness of somebody quick with pinches, I was out there floating all them feelings felt indigenous to places I don't visit, Hard eyes when I'm grinning, hard eyes and them emojis you said you won't be on me, I said you won't be lonely, you can't count on me like a bank teller counter. ain't never felt prouder. never holding back, don't got a front when I'm around her, I wanna listen more like maybe I should say less, I'm not sure how to make an album, this is just my best Guess my best friends are producers Send me beats I bump the playlist Imagine all the hours Ableton was stuck on repeat All for me to rap about some girls who didn't like me SB4 of 4's and stupid bars all wrote on loose sleeve. I wait a lot on promises that sound like maybes My contacts still just numbers but in person call me baby Like why I fall in love with every girl that wanna date me introspective but scatterbrained on the daily I'll make a tape with the homies and rap the same thing I know it's just rhymes but it sounds like everything and the peaches out from Palisade And they sweet as mama's marmalade And this shit sound like summer days The windows down on harmony The family band sleep harmonies My daddy played the drums And my mama slap that bass My sister sang these songs Dancing hand in hand We were tripping to left feet Like a middle school slow dance No one knew how to leave. But I'm still thankful for these days They put a smile on my face